I think don't lose sight of the meaning of what you're doing. And I think this comes into what we were saying about what you're spending, how you're spending it. Don't let the whole thing run away with you. You know, keep it real and always remember why you're doing it. And don't let other people try to influence you and make decisions that don't reflect what the two of you are all about as a couple. Welcome to the Yes To I Do podcast, your weekly wedding planning show hosted by Jack Brister and Chris Piercy. Hello and welcome to Yes To I Do, your wedding planning podcast. My name is Jack Brister and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Piercy. Today we were joined by Melanie from Bellissimo Wedding Planners. This is a slightly different episode as we have just had Valentine's Day and we know that 40% of all engagements happen between Christmas and Valentine's Day. So that six week period covers 40% of all engagements. So we know that there are lots of newly engaged people listening to this podcast now. So congratulations. We decided to take this episode, make it a little bit longer and spend some time breaking down the wedding planning process. What you need to do first, how you get started and everything that goes along with it. This is how we got on. So we're joined today by uh, wedding royalty, I think, in uh, uh, Melanie from, uh, well, she does all sorts of different things. I know from uh, Bellissimo Weddings, but uh, you've got a lot of other business hats that you wear as well, Melanie. How are you today? Very well, thank you. I do. I wear a number of hats. So could, in a nutshell, what, what do you cover or is it, is it shorter to mention what you don't cover? <laughs> don't know nowadays. Uh, yes, it's not that bad. So I primarily have Bellissimo Weddings, as you say, which is a wedding planning company. And that was the uh, original part of my business 10 years ago. And then to that over the years, I've added um, running a number of venues. So started Beach Weddings Bournemouth back in 2011, um, which is a unique wedding venue on Bournemouth Beach. Um, and then over the years, I've added a few other bits and pieces as we've gone. Um, we ended up starting a catering company four years ago called Simply Gourmet. So that was sort of added into the mix. And we also set up a luxury furniture hire company uh, called The White Chair Company uh, four years ago as well, just to run alongside the existing businesses. So we run a number of other venues for other people, but that's part of Bellissimo Weddings with our private wedding planning and uh, sort of venue management consultancy side of things. But yeah, it kind of it, it's all to do with weddings and events, and it all sits quite nicely under an umbrella. But it's very much grown over the last ten years. So, with all of those different things that you've, you've kind of in control of, how hands-on do you get to be nowadays with weddings? Are you still can you still they're doing on the day coordination or do you have to kind of send other people off to do that sort of thing now so it started off the business was just me and now it's uh thankfully not just me but yeah i very much try to still be as hands-on as i can uh that's really important to me i think it sets us apart from maybe some other companies that perhaps have got maybe a lot bigger than us and we don't want to get too big because it's important to me that there is that hands-on connection with myself and I've got a business partner on the catering side and um, furniture side of the business as well. And we really like to work on the weddings um, as opposed to just looking at the business from afar. So yeah, I definitely get my hands stuck right in there. You'll find me there on the day of a wedding as much as I possibly can. And it's really important to me to see a wedding right the way through to, an, to the end. So if someone hires me, they get me planning the wedding and they get me there on the day. I don't hand over to someone else that takes takes over obviously I've got other other girls that work for me as well now but they will take their own weddings on from the beginning and they'll run them all through the planning process and they will be the ones there on the day I'm there in the background sort of supervising and overseeing and helping where they need me but it's their bride their wedding and they'll be there on the day so how many weddings are you personally involved with and how many weddings does the business or the company take on each year would you say on average over the course of a season, our main busy season is sort of April, May through to September. We do have a few winter things going on as well, but it's primarily that sort of five, six month busy portion of the year, which I'm sure you guys know about as well. It sort of kind of, kind of gets really busy. Um, I would say that over the course of that sort of five, six months across all of the businesses, all of the venues, um, the catering, private wedding planning, etc., everything all together, we probably do somewhere in the region of about 80 to 100, um, just to put a bit of scale on it. 
Beach weddings is our busiest venue. Um, we can do 50 to 60 weddings there. Um, and then the rest of our business is built up of all of the other things that we do with catering and private planning. So the private plan side is probably somewhere in the region of about 12 to 15 weddings a year. But most of our couples generally use us on uh, what we call a full plan basis. So they hire us from the beginning and then we work with them all the way along and we're there on the day. So those are quite limited in number because they're very time consuming. Yeah, I guess if you're literally planning the whole thing with them, then you know it's not like you can do 100 of those in a year because you, know, you literally would not have the time, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they say, whoever they are, but they say that the average wedding is about 150 to two hour, 200 hours of planning. So if you work that out on an average sort of day on how many hours you spend in the office, et cetera, you know, you, you've got to be careful with the number of full plan weddings that you take on. Um, and a client that's hiring you on that basis, you know, they require a lot of your time. They, they are understandably quite demanding on your time because they're paying for you to be there whenever they want you at any time of the day or night. We do get that too. Um, so you can't take on too many at a, at a time. So we're very careful to not, not take on too many and it has to balance out with the rest of the business. You know, we have to balance that out with our beach couples and our catering couples and, and everything else. And you will find me front of, front of house managing on a Simply Gourmet um, wedding and you'll occasionally find me cooking in the kitchen as well. I do chef as well sometimes, so I like to keep my hand in. <laughs> <laughs> Would I be right in saying that is beach weddings in, is that still the only place you can get married on a beach in the UK? I mean, it was at one point. It is, is it yeah. The it's um, The distinction is in England and Wales because Scotland have slightly different rules to us. They have a licensing system that's far more sensible than England and Wales, which is that the registrar is licensed, not the building. So England and Wales are still stuck in the dark ages. You have to have a permanent license structure. It has to hold a license, etc., to um, be able to marry people. So yeah, when I started the beach um, in 2011, we got our little wedding hut licensed, and that's the permanent structure that sits on the sand. And we are still the only one that's um, licensed in England and Wales, so it's quite unique. That's amazing. Um, so when it comes to planning a beach wedding, what are some of the considerations you have to think about that you don't necessarily have to think about when you've got a venue inland, for example? What's, what's the main differences in your well, mind? Well, I guess because we've, we've now completed um, over 400 weddings on the beach since we started, I think to us it's second nature and it, we don't treat it any differently to how we would any other venue that we run or, or look after or, or any other venue that we work at. Um, a lot of people will immediately say, oh no, what about the weather? But we build marquees on the sands. We have two beautiful marquees. They've got panoramic windows over the sea. The, the weddings continue no matter what happens with the weather. And we have had inevitably some rainy weddings over the last seven years or so since we've been there. Um, but it all carries on regardless. And I think we're so organized and the way that we do things is so sleek now that it doesn't matter. So it, it really is exactly the same as any other wedding. It doesn't make any difference that you're on a beach. It's just so unique. So yeah, it doesn't make any difference at all. I guess that comes from booking someone to help with your wedding who knows what they're doing. That you know, Whether it's moving away from beaches, no matter where it is, you're gonna get that kind of level of service. And I mean, I'd be surprised if year on year you actually have any circumstances that you haven't come across before in some way, shape or form. I mean, whereas, you know, when you're starting out, you're like, oh my God, this has happened and this has never, ever happened before. Uh, whereas as you kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to your stories later on in the, the, the podcast. I'm sure you've got, uh, I'm sure you've got some interesting tales to tell from our weddings over the years before. Yeah, yeah those a little later, of course. there have been some interesting things that have happened over the years. But yeah, I think that I'm a firm believer in, and this is one of the reasons why I only, I only tend to operate, or we only tend to operate in the area where we're located. So our private planning service and our, for events and weddings, we just concentrate in Dorset, Hampshire, Wiltshire. Occasionally we go sort of into East Devon and Gloucestershire um, and just into Surrey, but primarily it's sort of Dorset and Hampshire. And the reason for that is because we know the area so well and we know the suppliers, we know the venues, we know the roads, we know the traffic, we know the problems you get. We know, you know, if you have an issue on the day where you could go to get something, I would never, I have so many brides contact us asking us to do London weddings. I just won't touch them because it's not our area. We don't know the area. I wouldn't feel confident somebody putting their whole 
wedding trust in us to not know the area so I would rather hand that to someone know that knows better than we do and I think that is one of the mistakes that maybe people make when planning a wedding that they you know choose their suppliers from googling and going on the internet and perhaps window shopping through a website and not really doing their homework and I, I'm always a true believer in, in use somebody that knows that's top of their area top of their game that knows the area of what you're asking about more than anyone else and I think that's really important and stick to what you're good at and stick to what you what you know I don't think I can agree with that anymore so what often I get booked well not that often sometimes I get booked for weddings which are kind of three four hours drive away and you know for you know for the right fee I, I go and do them but there's a strange sense to me that I don't feel as connected to that because I'm turning up and I know that I'm not going to know any other suppliers there so it's, it feels very much like I'm turning up performing and then just leaving whereas you know if I'm working across anywhere within kind of inverted commas my area the chances are that I'm gonna yeah it feels different like I'm like I'm I feel like I'm gonna turn up and I'm gonna know the photographer or I'm gonna know who's made the cake or I'm gonna know who's done the makeup and it just it just feels that little bit different I can't explain exactly what what that means but it just feels more comfortable from my point of view not that I don't do these weddings that are further away but it just feels better when there's a sense of kind of community around the wedding I guess yeah definitely but I think with your with your line you can probably do that uh, quite comfortably even though as you say it makes you feel slightly disconnected but when we're expected to sort any problem out that comes up on the day and reacts to literally everything you have to be in a situation where you know you can go and get your hands on something or you can pull a rabbit out of a hat if you need to and if you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't know the area I, I personally just don't think you can do it as well some people will but I don't think you can I think for you also is that you're probably going to be asked for recommendations and other supplies and all those kind of things to help plan the wedding so if you are focused on one area you can recommend the best supplies in that area rather than saying I don't know anyone in that area but I can find someone I can, it's not I can google good. them yeah. exactly you're going to do the same job they do so yeah that they would it makes me know better than, than them doing it themselves so with the venue uh, management just moving on to that side of things uh, which which um, venues do you manage down here in Dorset so we look after a number of venues we um, have been working with Wilkeswood in Swanage for quite some years now probably five years plus I think now uh, that's a marquee-based venue between Corf and uh, Swanage, which is fab. Really relaxed sort of weekend wedding venue. We also look after um, weddings at uh, Talbot Heath Girls' School in Bournemouth, which is great. Town centre, sort of very large venue for big weddings. Works really well for that. Um, we've recently been working alongside some new venues. So we've helped to launch um, a fantastic new venue just outside Dorchester called Came House. And we've been working with the owner of that venue for about 18 months of helping her get it ready for the wedding market. Um, recently launched that, so we look after that one. Um, and we've got another one that we've been working with as well, uh, fairly quietly in the background, but that's recently come to the market called Hale Park, which is in Fordingbridge. And we've been working with the owner of that on a consultancy basis and helping him get it ready for weddings as well. So, And there are a number of others that we are currently working with. Um, we tend to work with our venues fairly quietly in the background before we launch them. A lot of people approach us with country houses, country estates, or maybe some land that they want to um, generate some revenue. And we will often have to go right back to basics and help them to understand the wedding industry and look at the property and what perhaps they haven't got quite up to, up to standard before ready. they're ready to launch it for, for the weddings. Um, wedding market so we, we'll often do that for a year or so depending on how organized they are and how ready they are and then we'll help them to get it launched um, with things like websites social media photo shoots a lot of venues don't have images when they're ready to launch so we will often help with that um, and then we will often stay on board if they want us to for venue management as an ongoing project so we'll deal with the inquiries bookings viewings and then uh, actually be there on the day of the wedding as well so it's quite a big long process but but the business has very much gone in that direction organically which I hadn't really realized in the beginning when I started um, but it's taken that direction I think because I think mainly through the beach people have seen what I've done with beach weddings and people have approached me to then say look I'd love you to come and do something similar can you help us to establish ourselves as a venue 
Um, and it sort of started from there, but I never really intended that that's the way the business would go, but it sort of naturally migrated in that way. So it's quite been quite exciting. That's amazing. So you're, with, you're often with the venues that you end up working with from the very beginning, from the birth of the idea of starting to do weddings, which I think is great. I think that's, because uh, it means you get to know the venue in the best possible way, doesn't it? So when you start working with the venue, you know everything about it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's an exciting time. And also I think where I've, been in the business now for 10 years it's um it's really important to be there at the beginning before and this I don't mean this in any way that people do go and make mistakes but to avoid them making mistakes because I made mistakes you know it's inevitable that you're going to and the beach was the first venue I'd ever set up and run and everyone thought I'd lost my mind it's never going to work who the hell would want to get married on a beach in England you know you crazy woman no one's ever going to get married there um but logistically, the beach is the most tricky venue I've ever worked at in the last 10 years. It, it's, it's a very hard venue to, to run. Um, there are lots of different things that you need to know about running a wedding on a beach, uh, but we, we do it a second nature now. But I think where I've now done so many weddings in different venues, I can go into any property or look at any piece of land and troubleshoot really early on and spot what's going to cause them their issues. And it just saves them so much time when I can go in and say, okay, yep, you could have a venue here, but th these are gonna be your problems. This is what you need to deal with immediately. This is what we need to make sure you've got a plan in place and a provision to avoid this, this, and this. And it just means that I can save them probably years of hassle and road testing and finding out these problems for themselves. Whereas at the beach, I had to make mistakes to find out problems to, uh, to be able to put, put it right. And there wasn't anyone there to show me what the mistakes I was going to make before I made them. So I think I'm saving people some uh, some hassle and some aggravation and some pain. <laughs> they have, they can avoid it. I think it's, it must be such a long-term thing because obviously it's going to take a while to take a venue and turn it into a wedding venue. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got the, the whole lead time from a, a wedding actually being booked and the, the event taking place. So yeah, it must be a kind of two, three-year time between you know starting off and actually getting the first wedding there so yeah it is it very much depends on the venue it does also depend on the on our client who, who would be the venue um, some of our clients are more motivated some of them are more organized um, some of them will listen to what you have to say and follow <laughs> you some of them won't <laughs> um, and insist that, that they're right and you're wrong and you actually don't know what you're talking about and then they realize eventually that oh actually you were right and we should have listened to you we would have got weddings a lot quicker um but yeah everyone's different and some venues want the business quicker than others do and um but those that sort of you know are motivated and are really happy to listen to our experience um we generally find that from the moment we come on board until the first wedding we could usually be doing that within 18 months to, to two years um, provided that they haven't got a huge amount of infrastructure to put in place. But um, I think that's pretty good considering, like you say, the lead time on most weddings. You know, a lot of, I don't know how your couples find when they book you guys, I don't know if they're booking you as more of a last minute thing um, or a later down the line thing, but certainly with the big purchase, which is the venue, inevitably, that is the first thing they have to book, really. They can't do anything else until they've booked the venue. So we do find that it's quite a long lead time. You know, six months is quite a short lead time on a wedding. Most of our couples are booking venues 12 to 18 months in advance, sometimes even more than that, which I find slightly scary because you might not even like each other by the time you get to the wedding <laughs> if you book it too far in advance. Um, so yeah, I think that's not too bad for, for new venues to be seeing money come through the door in that space of time. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So. Uh, you sort of touched on it briefly there, so I kind of want to move on to this because obviously we're, this episode is coming out sort of towards the end of February, so lots of people have got engaged over Christmas, into the new year, and of course Valentine's Day will have just happened. So some people are in the first stages of planning their wedding. What advice do you have for those people that have just got engaged? The biggest thing that I always bleat on and on and on about is budget. And I really think that it's the biggest mistake that most couples make. And I always liken it. And I've probably sat down with three or four couples already this year who got engaged over Christmas and New Year who hadn't even had this conversation. And I just find it the strangest thing. And I still find it the strangest thing 10 years on. 
why would you even start planning your wedding when you don't know what you're happy to spend? And I think people often say, if I say, you know, I'm very open when people call me and they say, we're looking for a wedding planner or we're looking for a venue or we're looking for, for some help in finding a venue, whatever they need. And I'll say, okay, no problem at all. Let's have a chat about what you're looking for. And I, I'm very open to say, can you please discuss with me what your budget is? And they will nine times out of 10 say, we don't know. Now I find that the oddest thing and it never ceases to amaze me because how can you not know, even if you don't know what a wedding's going to cost you, and I don't ever expect couples to necessarily know that because they've usually not been married before. So they're not going to know how much a venue's gonna cost or a wedding's going to cost. But you must have in your minds what you're happy and comfortable to spend. You don't go shopping for a car not knowing if you're going to spend a thousand or thirty thousand. So why would you start planning a wedding? You must have something in your mind where you say to yourselves, okay, we are comfortable to spend no more than X number of pounds. And I find that couples who don't have that they will struggle. Do you think it's a British thing of being a little bit uncomfortable and awkward talking about money? Because like no one, well, I, I, I don't know how much any of my friends earn. I mean, I can kind of put a ballpark figure based on kind of you know, how much I know they work and you know what their job is and stuff like that. But I don't think I know how much anyone actually earns. So I, but I, I think it must be something to do with that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess there's. A whole variety of different couples, and some of them will have, will have a bride who's perhaps got a scrapbook, who's and who's had that for ten years, and been putting bits and pieces. And you've got other people who've literally never thought really about getting married, and then they've been asked, and they go, "Well, yeah, we might as well then." So, you know, what do you think of the the foundation blocks of putting a wedding together? Because I I always say it's um it's obviously someone to get you married, whether that's a registrar or a vicar, because obviously otherwise it's not even a wedding. Uh, then it's your venue and then from there arguably it's your photographer and your caterers because I think those are the ones that often get booked up a long time in advance. I know that me and Jack sometimes get booked kind of two years in advance which we still find crazy but you know people are organized but yeah the fact that would you agree with those as foundation blocks? Yeah definitely I think people will always um, like I said earlier we touched on it that really you have to make a decision on your, your venue, your ceremony and reception very early on. You can't start planning anything else until you've established what those key points are going to be. And, and of course, therefore, it means that you've got to decide if you're having a church wedding or a civil wedding and you know if that's going to be part of your reception venue or if it's going to be separate. So those things are going to be the, the first things. And then once that's been booked and you've made a decision, the, the rest of the wedding can fairly easily flow from there um, because you've sort of put your benchmark on what your vibe is going to be, what your wedding's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, um, and everything else will flow from there. But certainly the next thing, if, if it's a venue that doesn't have a caterer, that's the next thing that we always suggest that couples do, find their caterer. Um, and photographer is, is usually the next thing for me. But I, I do always sit down with my couples because they're always so different. and work out what their priorities are, work out where their passions lie, because a lot of couples will come and say, you know, everything for me has got to rest on the music, the entertainment, it's got to be a real music-led wedding, or it's all about, you know, entertaining, and it's all got to be built around that. A lot of our couples come to us because we're planners and caterers, and a lot of their passions lie in food, and they know how passionate we are about the food, but they know that we're planners as well. So the whole day is maybe pinned on what everyone's going to be eating and drinking at any given time of the day. They're my favorite couples uh, because I can talk about food and planning at the same time. Um, but some will come and say it's to do with flowers. You know, flowers are a key. They need to be in a venue where they can have loads of fresh flowers and, and the whole day is gonna be pinned on the way that the venue looks and the styling. So it does very much depend on the couple and what their priorities are, but I think you can't start until you've worked out what you're happy to spend and work out your venue from there because couples will come to me and say, can you help us find a venue? And I'll say, yeah, absolutely, no problem at all. Let's talk about what your priorities are, what your, um, your must-haves, you know, we can establish a list with things that your venue has to have, your sort of top, top priority, so to speak, and that can be things like, you know, where do you live and how far will you travel, where are your guests coming from? Do you have to be in a, a bricks and mortar building? Some people love uh, to be in a building. Some people love marquees. Some people hate marquees. Um, 
do you have to be in a hotel do you have to have bedroom accommodation within the same building um you know does it have to be easy to get to travel wise where are your guests traveling from all these sorts of things but then i will say to them okay now let's talk money you have to talk money early on because i'm not going to send you to a you know one star hotel in bournemouth if your budget is a 50 60 thousand pound wedding which is a a fairly decent budget for a Dorset wedding and you want everything to be high-end five-star luxury you know you've got to talk money otherwise I really don't think you know where you're going to be pitching the wedding to I think it's interesting because I've had some couples before where they've literally spent kind of three quarters of the whole budget on the venue and then because there's a venue that they really really wanted to get married in and then they're left with so little and it just for me it doesn't really make sense because it's like it's like buying the most beautiful, beautiful steak in the world and then you know, then having the side bits being the cheapest, most rotten chips you could possibly imagine having and you've got to eat all of it, you know, so <laughs> or something like that because, yeah, I understand that people want it to be in, in the right place but then it's, I feel like everything's all got to be on, on, on the same level so that if you're going for high end then everything kind of has to be high end. Or if you're going kind of cheap, then everything has to be cheap, and maybe you kind of splurge on something. But the bits that you kind of pull back on and say, oh, "I'm not going to spend money on that," those bits are going to stick stick out like a sore thumb for completely the wrong reasons. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's a shame to do that. And I, I'm not saying that I'm an advocate of spending ridiculous sums of money on a wedding. I'm not saying that at all because we've done some amazing weddings over the years that have not been huge costly weddings some of our some of my most favorite weddings have not been big big spenders but yet they've been absolutely beautiful and I always say that if you're on a budget there are some brilliant ways of saving money one of the biggest ways of saving money is cut your numbers and the number of couples that come to me and say okay we want 180 people and we want an amazing this and an amazing that and I'll say okay what's your budget and they'll say oh 10 grand I said well it's just never gonna happen you know if you've got nearly 200 people to begin with and this is something that comes into my um, my sort of dealings with them with um, uh, food as well is imagine what you spend when you go out to have a meal and I don't know what you what, what you're like when you go out to have a, have a meal but even if you go down to your local pub and have you know a steak and a pudding and a glass of wine you're going to be spending 35 quid 40 quid on a steak and a pudding and a glass of wine and it astonishes me the number of people therefore that come to me when they're talking about food and think that they can go and spend or have a caterer come to them on their wedding day that's going to do an amazing job and effectively be a mobile restaurant and bring the whole shebang to the venue and do it for 20 quid including crockery cutlery staff glassware table linen you know spend days prepping it setting it all up clearing it all and I just think people sometimes need a little bit of help in terms of the education on how much these things cost and I think if you have got £10,000 to spend on your wedding you can have an amazing wedding but you cannot invite 200 people and still expect to have a fabulous fabulous you know treat for everybody and for it to be an amazing day cut your numbers is the first thing to do and have something small and intimate but still quality and elegant and beautiful and there's there are definite ways of doing that and that's a good budget for somebody that that can do something on a slightly smaller scale i think that makes perfect sense i mean i have a friend who shall remain nameless and hopefully doesn't listen to the podcast <laughs> if i find out they do i'll cut it but <laughs> um they uh, recently got engaged and they were planning they want to have a wedding they want to invite a hundred or so people and he- they reckon they can do it on a two thousand pound budget and i was sat there and i was biting my tongue um because of course i i have the experience i know that's not possible but i think the the problem is is that people have no concept as to how much a wedding can cost even when they start to think about it in those terms they don't necessarily go well i've got to feed a hundred people you know, and then you've got everything that goes on top of that. You've got the venue hire and all these kind of things. So I think it's uh, the, the the budget is something that people just don't even consider. So I think the fact that you've said that's your number one biggest piece of advice to think about in the first place is fantastic for sure. Do you have any advice on how people? I think that 
what we always say and it inevitably happens is one of us will say the most important thing about a wedding is to stamp your personality on it so in terms of obviously have you got any advice on how to segment your budget into the things obviously some of it's going to go to the venue some of it's got to go to entertainment some of it's got to go to food how do you decide personally what is how much should go to each part so we're quite heavy on uh, getting the budget organized and we have our um have our sort of set systems on how we set out what the couple have got so when i get them to establish what they're comfortable spending even if they don't know what their wedding's going to cost um they will you know i will ask them to establish and agree with me what their budget is up front and i would say that most of our private plan bellissimo couples come to us and they have somewhere in the region of 20 to 30,000 to spend that's our kind of typical couple from dorset and we will get a couple of times a year a few couples that have 40 40 to 60,000 which is lovely really nice you know they're having an amazing wedding and we can do a lot with that, that's fab, but it doesn't have to be. So 20 to 30,000, I would say, is your most sort of typical budget that we tend to get, which is about the average wedding now in the UK. So we're, we're kind of on average. I would always, um, we, we draw them a budget very early on. So we sit down and we allocate for them where we recommend they spend their money. And we split it down into all the different things that they will need to spend their money on, depending on if it's a marquee wedding or a wedding in a building or whatever they're having. Um, and just as a very general rule of thumb, they should be spending somewhere in the region of 50 to 60% of their total budget on their venue. So that would be venue and catering. Um, so if they've got 30,000 to spend, they will be assigning or we will be assigning for them somewhere in the region of about 15 to 17,000 for the venue hire and the food and drink. Um, from that, the remaining balance, the sort of 40 to 50% that's left, we will then split that between all of the other essentials. <clears throat> and the way that we split that is very much depending on their priorities and what their, what their passions are really. What, and as you say, what sort of stamp they want to put on their wedding. So are they people that are very, is in, uh, photography really important to them? Is a flowers really important to them or the styling, the way the wedding's going to look? Or do they want to spend a really good chunk of what's left on entertainment? Are they really into their music? Do they want a live band? Do they want loads of things going on? So it, every budget that we will formulate will be different, but the, the starting point of 50 to 60% of your total spend will be on your venue hire and catering. That's a really good benchmark to start and everything else can then flow from that. If they overspend on their budget uh, for their venue, then it means that they've got to spend less on everything else if they want to stick to their budget. And that's what we always tried to do, to stick, make them stick to their budget. So if they then come to me and say, after we've, we've agreed what the budget is to begin with, if they then come and say, okay, Melanie, you only had 1,500 pounds allocated for a band, but we've found this amazing band and we absolutely love them, but they're two and a half, and that's 1,000 pounds over what we'd allocated, I'll say, okay, look, if you really want it, that's fine, but we've got to lose a thousand pounds from other things throughout your budget. So if you had two thousand pounds for flowers, you've got to knock some money off that and take five hundred pounds from somewhere else if you want to stay on budget. They can go over budget if they want to, but that's up to them. But if they hire me or one of our planners to keep them to budget, that's what we're going to try and do. So we try to make them concentrate their minds on everything they're going to spend before they spend it. When you start talking to a couple and they first come to you and they want to find out about it and you say, let's talk about budget, and they go, well, we want to plan this, but we currently have this budget and it's completely unrealistic. Do you recommend them to bring down their expectations or do you say wait or does it and save more money and spend more time being engaged? Or where do you kind of sit on that? Or is it just a personal... Uh, bridal groom basis yeah I, I think I've always got to one of the phrases I probably use week in week out is managing expectations and you have to help a couple to manage their expectations because they're just going to be wasting their own time and their own energy and our time um, and I don't want anybody to be kind of trying to go and run you know bark up the tree when it, it just it, it isn't going to happen so you have I guess because I'm quite confident in what I do and I've been doing it for so long, I can spot it a mile away. And I, and I had one come in to see me literally a week or two ago and the groom literally had no idea what a wedding was gonna cost and the bride hadn't told him what a wedding was gonna cost. And he sort of came in here very green 
and I had to kind of break it to him that this dream wedding that his bride that was sitting next to him wanted to have, how much it was going to cost. He literally almost fell off of his chair when I told him how much this sort of wedding was going to cost. And I said, look, guys, I think you need to go away and have a chat and you need to think about if this is really what you want to do this year, we can make it happen, but I need you to come up with X number of pounds if you want that sort of wedding because this is what it's going to cost and we can help you to keep the costs low on this area and that area and this area and that area by all of the different ideas that we've got and the ways that we know we can be savvy on spending someone's money for them to make sure that they spend it in the right way and don't overspend on things but I said you know if you're not comfortable to spend that sort of money either at all or this year you need to go away and save and come back next year and we'll help you then and then you've had another 12 months or let's reevaluate and let's look at another option that's going to be a lot cheaper for you. So there's always options, and really it's up to the couple then to make their decision which way they want to go. But I won't, there's no point in me wasting anyone's time. If they're coming to me for something that they either can't afford or they're not comfortable in affording, because some people have got the money for it, but they'd rather spend the money on something else. Maybe they don't have, you know, their own home yet. and, and 30 grand on a wedding is a massive chunk of money and they're more comfortable putting that into a house. I totally agree. You know, if, if you don't have a home, your own home, and you've got this sum of money, you know, it's got to be up to the couple where they want to spend that. I'm not going to make them spend it on a wedding by any stretch. I think one more question I want to ask before we move on to our um, kind of, where we get into the nitty gritty things by asking your favourite stories. Like one more thing I want to ask is just your opinion on something that. Uh, my parents, especially, and people kind of of that generation, where they, they did their wedding for you know on a shoestring budget, and you know they their wedding that they they've been married for forty years or whatever, and everything that's absolutely fine. What what's your opinion when people say, look, you're spending forty grand, fifty grand, sixty grand on one single day? That's a massive waste of money when you can do it for just a few thousand. I mean, what what's what's your opinion? And, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just want to know what your your opinion is on that. Yeah, I, I think that I'm not here to um, to judge anybody on whether or not something is right or wrong. I think it's whether or not it's right for that couple and what their priorities are and where they're comfortable to spend that money. And I think that if you're not comfortable in doing it, don't do it. By any stretch, please don't do it. You must go and do something that really means something to you. It has to mean something to you and it has to be that you look back on it and think, do you know what? We're so glad that we spent that money on that day. We had the most incredible day and we don't regret it. We don't regret it for a moment. And I can honestly say, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time now and I've done so many weddings and I'm not, I'm saying that obviously some couples probably, if they did regret it, they might not tell me, but I do keep in touch with most of my couples and we get so much communication from them after the wedding and for years to come and recommendations from other brides to other brides and they will time and time again say we are so thrilled that we did that we're so pleased that we had that kind of a day um, and I think that that comes down to making sure that the sort of day that you plan for your day or that your wedding planner helps you plan that it is a reflection of you it's a reflection of your personalities and what makes you tick as a couple and the sort of things that you lay on within your day or end up having as part of your day that they really do mean something to you and you're not just doing it because it's the right thing to do or it's fashionable or someone else did it. Um, so just make sure that it's a really true reflection of you and I don't think you can go far wrong. I do agree that the older generation do sometimes struggle with perhaps what weddings cost these days. but. I, off, I also come across weddings where I get the bride and groom not wanting to spend heaps of money and I deal with the parents who are wanting more money to be spent to make it an incredible day and I get the mum and dad saying oh no no you know she mustn't have this she must have that and no no we want to have the best of this and, and I'll get the bride saying I don't need that you know I don't want to spend that much money and it's the parents that will want to spend more so it swings and roundabouts, but I think as long as you know that you're true to yourselves when you're planning your day and, and you're doing something that's a real reflection on the two of you, um, and it's meaningful, then you're not going to go far wrong. So it is just one day, but it's a hell of a memorable day, and it's going to be—it's going to—it's—it's something that you're 
going to talk about for years and years afterwards. So, yeah. I think that moves us on to our quick fire questions then. So, what is your number one tip for booking a wedding planner? Um, what would I say? I think personality, really. Personality, you've, you've got to get on with somebody. You've really got to gel with them. And I think if you're going to think about having a planner, you, you will have got to that point because you've established that you need some help, either because you're time short, because you're really busy with your work or you've got family or, or whatever. Or the other side of the reason why we get people hiring us as a planner is because they have never done it before and they're just not confident to do something that they've never done before and they feel like they need an expert's help, which is, is great. But I think research um, your geographical location, find out the planners that are in your area, go and see a couple of them. You, know, you can't make a decision without meeting them. You're gonna be working really closely with them. So sit down, have a coffee, have a chat and find out what sort of weddings they plan. For me, planners fall into two really clear categories. You're either a, a planner that, that has experience and skills in logistics, and I would say that's me, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, someone that's great at organizing and just working out the most logistical nightmares. You know, you either need a planner that, that does that, or the other side is a planner. If your wedding is one that you want to be a really heavily designed, styled wedding, you need a planner, in my opinion, that comes from that sort of background, usually theatre background, um, you know, sort of prop design, staging. That's not me. Um, I can make a wedding look amazing, but I would never hold myself out to be a planner that is a stylist, design-led planner. I'm more of a logistics. Um, and I think you've got to make that clear when you go to look for your planner. So know what you're looking for meet them, gel with them, get on with them, and um, recommendations, find out what their testimonials are, how long they've been planning, look at the weddings they've done and make sure it's your vibe, um, do your research. Fantastic tip, I mean, we're, as we've already said, you need to be able to stamp your personality on a wedding and you can't do that if you're hiring a planner who doesn't match your personality because they're never gonna be able to plan it like you would perhaps, so I think that's a great tip. Uh, so moving on, what is your best wedding story i guess there was one wedding that i did gosh it was probably going back to first year or two i can hardly believe i can remember it but there was this lovely couple that i don't even know how they found me to be honest but they approached and said that they had a wedding planned and it was literally about one or two weeks to go and they were in a bit of a pickle and it was a marquee wedding and uh, i think the bride and groom lived out of the area it was in the new forest but the bride and groom lived in london and they got themselves into a bit of a pickle and, and sort of had neglected, overlooked booking quite a few things. So I remember coming on board and sitting down with them and working out all these things that they hadn't booked and having to book lots of suppliers very last minute for them. And then they were quite fearful about the marquee company that they'd booked and they weren't quite sure about them. They had a bad feeling about them and, and I sort of got involved and spoke to the marquee company and it's someone I'd never come across before. And I then went out on the day that the marquee was being built, which was probably the day before the wedding. I can't quite remember, one or two days before anyway. And I went out to meet the marquee company in the morning when they first started, because I was a little bit nervous about what they were going to be doing. And I was so glad I got there because they were putting the marquee in completely the wrong place. Um, and they'd kind of half built this structure and the boys were all ready to go off site. And it had became apparent this sort of fishy story and it all, all sort of started unraveling that the marquee company had double booked themselves didn't have enough kit and they were all basically legging it and um, I ended up having to get another marquee company involved very 11th hour hunting around to find all this marquee kit that, that the guys that had been booked didn't have but weren't planning to tell the bride this um, and basically having to reorganize the marquee get all these suppliers on site get it built get it decorated all the day before the wedding and, and we pulled it off and it looked amazing but it was just a nightmare and I'm just so glad that I was involved and I think and I've stayed in touch with that bride and and this was probably eight eight nine years ago maybe now and she's recommended so many brides to me over the years because she just sort of says that I was her wedding savior and if it wasn't for me it would never have happened but it was it was just one of those lessons that I think they'd pulled people off the internet hadn't really researched their suppliers, hadn't taken out wedding insurance, which is a complete no-no. 
Um, and it was just lucky that they'd found me and I had really good contacts and was able to pull it all together. But um, yeah, some lessons to be learned there, but it was lovely in the end. <laughs> Hell of an accomplishment. And so conversely, what's your, your worst wedding story? The one that fills you full of dread? Oh gosh, I remember a wedding a few years ago um, where, gosh, it makes my heart go over when I think about it. Um, beautiful bride, beautiful dress, the most gorgeous, gorgeous church. And I'd gone to the church to, um, as I often do, meet the bride as she comes out of the bridal car, to see her down the aisle, make sure everything's lovely, lovely. And this particular wedding, somebody else had set up the um, flowers going down the aisle and had very stupidly, shall I say, um, lined the aisle beautifully with these gorgeous, gorgeous candles all down the aisle. You can tell what's coming, can't you? Um, but hadn't oh put God. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't put them in contained sort of uh, votives or candelabras, and they were exposed candles, which I would always warn against, um, especially when you saw the size of the dress when the bride got out of the car, which was an incredible designer number. But unfortunately, because of the time that she arrived and that I had arrived for various reasons, because of things that had gone on at home in the morning and someone else had set up the, uh, the candles, as she floated down the aisle, literally the dress went over every single candle. How on earth she got from one end of the aisle to the other without setting fire to her dress, I do not know to this day. But my heart was literally <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> Um, and I then promptly, when she got to the front of the aisle and was still alive, um, <laughs> I then crawled all the way down the aisle, blowing every single candle out without anybody noticing what I was doing. Um, so that when she sailed back down the aisle, she didn't have any candles on, but she was alive by the time she got to her reception. Um, but she didn't even notice. I, 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 we spoke about it afterwards and had a bit of a giggle about it, but she didn't even notice. So, but yeah. One big tip when you've got an aisle and a massive wide dress, don't have candles that are exposed either side. It's not <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that moved us on to what would normally be your number one tip for planning a wedding, just a general planning tip. But I think that's going to be have a budget in place. So we're going to go for your second uh, biggest tip for planning your wedding. Yeah, I think don't lose sight of the meaning of what you're doing. And I think this comes into what we were saying about what you're spending, how you're spending it. Don't let the whole thing run away with you, you know, keep it real and always remember why you're doing it and don't let other people try to influence you and make decisions that don't reflect what the two of you are all about as a couple. All too many times I think couples allow other people to influence them, be it parents or brothers, sisters, etc., or just the, the fashion generally or the trend is this at the moment so we've got to have this this and this you don't have to have anything you know you have what you want to have that really reflects what what makes you as a couple so keep it real yeah make sure it's about you amazing moving us finally onto our random question of the week which has just popped into my head as we've been talking um pretty random this one uh melanie and jack um what was the last thing you bought from amazon this has got a backstory to it. I crashed my car on Christmas Eve. Uh, it was on the way to a gig. And then it went into the shop and to be fixed. And then I was given a courtesy car. And my car's got a sat-nav in it that built into the infotainment system. And then I had to get to another gig. But this new car, courtesy car, didn't have a sat-nav in it. So I had to buy one of those little... Uh, mounts to go on the windscreen for your phone. I don't think I'm going to be able to beat that. So I that's, think that actually was the that last thing I purchased mine from is really boring. It's baby related. <laughs> it's sheets, yeah. baby cot sheets from <laughs> Amazon. Sorry, not very uh, wedding planner esque and not very rock and roll. Right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. So, Lisa, say thank you so much for joining us, Melanie. Thank you for your time and busiest wedding woman mm. in the world. Um, if people want to find about your businesses, uh, where can they do that? So they can find us at bellissimo-weddings.co.uk or just Google Bellissimo Wedding Planners. And we are in um, Poole, based in Poole. 
um, beachweddingsbournemouth.co.uk or Google Beach Weddings Bournemouth. Um, you can also find us on the UK Alliance of Wedding Planners. We are um, one of the leading planners for the Southwest region, but UKAWP.co.uk, where you'll find a whole list of um, brilliant wedding planners um, that are part of the UK Alliance of Wedding Planners. And it just means that we've all done training and that we're members and we are regulated by them. So that's a great way of finding a good planner in your area. So if you're not looking for someone in the Dorset region, you can find um, another planner at the UK Alliance. And you can find our catering company, Simply Gourmet, catering.co.uk, and the White Chair Company, .com. Uh, for luxury furniture hire as well. So that's the whole shebang. But if you forget all of that, find Bellissimo Weddings and all of the other businesses are kind of referenced on there as well as a whole list of venues that we manage. There's a, a Bellissimo venue collection that's on that website too. And if they want to book the luxury magician, Jack, how do they get in contact with you? Uh, you can find me at www.theluxurymagician.com. You can find me on Facebook at Jack Brister, The Luxury Magician, or you can find me on Instagram at jbristermagic. And Chris, if people want to find out more about you or your book or any of the other things that you do, where can they go to do that? Well, if you're planning your wedding and you're finding it stressful and you'd like to learn a new mindset for approaching your wedding planning, then you can buy my book, Blissful Wedding Planning, Become a Stoic Bride, available on Amazon and Kindle. Or if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's completely free. Um, what else? Uh, if you want to book me for your wedding, it's chrispiercymagic.co.uk. Uh, Twitter, I don't really use, with cpiercymagic. Facebook is uh, chrispiercymagician. And Instagram is chrispiercymagic. And I think that's just about everything. There is one thing you missed, though, Chris, about your book. Is is your book an Amazon bestseller by any chance? It, it is an Amazon bestseller now, on Kindle at least, anyway. <laughs> so, Right, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us, and we'll catch you for another episode next week. Thank you for listening to Yes To I Do. Please remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram using the tag at Yes To I Do Podcast.